with that being said, we are going to be looking at James chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 12 today. So if you uh, have your Bibles with you and you want to turn uh, to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and when you got it, if you are able to, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, just so I know that you're ready, uh, it will also be up on the screen for you as well. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. All right, this is what it says. I'm using the uh, Christian Standard Bible translation today. It says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in, the, in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though a very large and very driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness and is placed among our members." It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessings and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Lord, we ask today that you would just be with us through this time in your word, that you would guide our hearts and our minds to be focused on you, God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts today and let us grow in our faith and knowledge of you and that we would be more like you as we conclude. In your name we pray, amen and amen. I'm going to be uh, short and sweet this morning. said every pastor ever and then preached for an hour. I'm joking, this will only be three or four hours. It's okay to laugh a little bit on Sundays once in a while. This scripture is uh, one that hits home for me, and it's one of those scriptures that I read from time to time, and it really causes me to check myself, uh, to really uh, examine the types of conversations I've, I'm having with myself and with others. It's, it's a scripture that uh, is extremely convicting and should be convicting. And many people will, will like to claim that they have their tongue under control and that they can control what they speak and they can hold their tongue. And maybe you do, and that's great and that's wonderful. But I find more often than not, many of us find ourselves, if we're honest, being guilty and letting the tongue go loose at times. And, and I'm not talking about cussing and, and things like that. I'm talking about the lying, the gossiping, the, the tearing down of other people with what we speak. And, and when we dive into this scripture, I, I hope and pray today that it, it speaks to you the way that it speaks to me. You see, 
it, it really hits me hard because in verse 1 uh, in James chapter 3, it tells us that not many should become teachers because they will receive a stricter judgment. That puts the fear of God in me. And it makes me heavily examine every word that I speak on a Sunday morning. Because I will be greatly held accountable for everything that I teach to you. And so today, it's one of those things that everybody wants a pulpit. When you get into talking to people who feel called to ministry, they all believe that they're called to a pulpit ministry. They all want the opportunity to teach. They all want the microphone in their hand. But I tell you, you should be cautious when you feel that calling and you feel that way because there is a stricter judgment that comes with that. There is a harsher, a harsher judgment and every word we speak is examined. Having a pulpit ministry and having a, a, a microphone in your hand in any form of ministry where you are speaking the word of God to people in a teaching manner, that should be something we carry fearfully before the Lord. But he goes on in verse 2 and he says, For we all stumble in many ways. But if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature and is able also to control the whole body. It is amazing to me that just in the, the ability to have self-control in what you speak leads to the ability to have more self-control in other areas of your life. He's saying you are mature if you can control your tongue. And if you are mature enough to control the tongue... You can be mature enough to control yourself in other ways. It's uh, interesting to me because so many people will, will claim sinlessness in their life. People will claim, I've got it together. I don't go out and do this. I don't party. I don't drink. I don't, I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I don't do all these things. And they, they think it's great, but they are down in their friend's living room drinking hot tea on a Saturday morning sharing the gossip about what's going on in the church and in the community. They're talking about Sister Yay Yay and Brother So-and-so, sharing about the things they're doing and the way that they're living their life. They're, they're, they're not withholding their tongue whatsoever, but yet there's this attitude of holier than thou that comes with this. But what James is telling us here is that if you can control your tongue and you do not stumble in that, it speaks to your level of maturity. And I think if we were to examine ourselves today and how we hold our tongues and the words that we speak, we might find that we are not as mature as we think we are. We might find that we stumble in these ways. And, and I'm not even just talking about emotional maturity and, and mental maturity and maturity in your age. There is a spiritual maturity that James is talking about. There, there, is, there is power in the words that you speak. I am not a name it, claim it, preacher by any means. Because if that, if that message was true that I could just name and claim anything, I would be a billionaire. And that is not the case, last I checked. But I do believe that there is power in what we speak. Uh, James says it himself. He, he says, now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us and we can direct where they go, and he says, also consider ships, though they are very large and driven by fierce winds, it is a small rudder that guides them and directs them in their direction. 
I, I don't believe that I can just speak that I'm going to be a billionaire. I don't believe that I can just speak that I'm going to be healed. I, I don't believe that is always the case. I believe in faith, and I believe God still heals, and God still does miracles, but he is also sovereign, and he has his own will and purpose for your life, and that's a message for another time. But what I do believe is that you have enough power within your tongue to steer the direction of your life, but also maybe even more importantly, the lives of others around you. How you speak about your church, how you speak about the people in the church, around your children, has direct implications on the direction in which they will steer. I believe God has a plan, and I believe he will save who he wants to save. But I believe sometimes we, we get our flesh in the way and the way we talk about things and the way that we talk about people will hinder that and it will even delay that. Because we will talk about sister so-and-so and brother yay, yay, and whoever, fill in the blank. And we will talk about how we don't like the worship. We will talk about how we don't like the pastor or the messages. And we will talk about this and we will talk about that. And all our children are hearing is, man... This church's stuff is a mess, and why do I want to be anywhere near it? And therefore, you are guiding their ship. You are steering them as the horse with the bit in the mouth, away from the house of God. You also can steer the ship as the church right into the rocks by speaking speaking things and speaking about things that you really know nothing about, gossiping, causing division, and leading to destruction of the body of Christ. You can speak about a person, defame them. You can gossip about them and destroy their reputation and steer them right into the rocks. It is, it is truly powerful, the words that we have in us. The words that we speak carry so much weight and we go around carelessly Speaking about people and things. Speaking curses upon people. Wishing ill on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Leading us to places of destruction. The Bible can, goes on to say in the book of James, it describes the tongue as a world of unrighteousness, full of deadly poison, and it is set on fire, and that fire is set from the pits of hell. I know that might be some harsh language for you, but it's in the Bible, so it's okay. What the Scripture's telling us is that there is a scheme of the enemy to use what we speak to just set this world on fire in a bad way. There is a scheme to cut down our brothers and sisters. There is a scheme that is in place where he is trying to get us to gossip. He wants us to gossip. He wants us to lie. He wants us to to speak ill about the church and about the people in it and about the community and about uh, your uncle or your aunt and cause division within the family. And he, He wants that because when there is division, there is no power. I I was talking with my dad the other day. We were sitting in the living room talking 
about unity within the body of Christ, actually. And it's in Psalm 133. The scripture talks about the beauty of unity in the eyes of God and how it's like the oil running down the beard of Aaron. And and at the end of it, it says, where there is that unity, and I'm paraphrasing here, God has commanded a blessing. It's not just that there is a byproduct blessing that comes from unity. There is an active command from God for blessings in places where there is unity. Unity is so important, not, not just within the church, but within your family. Now, I, I know circumstances happen, people make mistakes, we are imperfect people, and, and living in an imperfect world. But, but there is a grace that comes when we begin to try to tame the tongue, and we begin to be careful in the words that we speak. Because those same words that can cause, he- can cause destruction and, and harm and pain can also bring healing to those same situations. You see, it doesn't have to be a tongue set on fire. It can be a, a tongue covered in grace and mercy and love that brings unity and brings healing to people. There, there is the power of life and death in the tongue. It's not just death. It's, there's life in there too. There is power in the words that we speak and how you talk to people. And sometimes it's like, well, I didn't mean it like that. But, and, you know, I didn't say that. But sometimes it's just as much how you said it as it is the actual words that you spoke. We have to guard our tongues. We have to guard our tongues. We can't give in to the schemes of the devil, and allow this restless evil. It's restless evil. It doesn't stop. So it, that, what I'm saying is, is, it, is there never comes a point where you can relax on this issue. This is a guard that has to always be up and always be active. The moment you feel like you got it all under control and you begin to relax, and this is true with any sin, that's when it starts working again. It, it does not take a day off. There is action and, and commitment involved in learning how to tame the tongue. With the tongue, the scripture says, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessings and cursing come out of the same mouth. That's called hypocrisy. We, we cannot... Bless God and curse people who are made in his image. Not that cursing people is the exact same thing as cursing God, but when you curse the thing that he created in his own image, it is an insult and a slap to his face because he loves his creation. You are insulting his creation. You are gossiping and destroying the thing that he created and was most proud of that he created. We cannot allow blessings and cursings. We cannot live that life of hypocrisy. I find it interesting here towards the end of James, in verse 12, as you begin to look at, or verse 11 and 12, I'm sorry. It says, does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. I want us to jump into Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. You don't need to stand. It's, I'm just going to read it to you. 
This is what it says. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For, if a, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. At the end of James and the beginning of this scripture here, what we see is he's talking about the source of where things come from. Can a can an olive tree produce figs? Can a fig tree produce olives? Can salt water yield fresh water? What he's getting at he, in, in Matthew 33 is he's saying either make the tree good and the fruit will be good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. What comes out of you and what you speak reflects what's going on on the inside of you. He goes on to say, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. In other words, how you, you can't possibly speak good things when you are full of evil yourself. When your heart has been corrupted, when your mind has been corrupted, when you are full of gossip, when you are full of lies, when you are full of curses, that it is not possible for you to speak good. He goes on to say, and I, I like I use this the Christian Standard translation today because I, I like how the words they use in verse thirty five. He says, "A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good. An evil produ- person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. What have you stored in your storeroom? How did it get there, and why is it there?" You see, I find throughout our lives that circumstances really mold us and shape us a lot. More so than they should many times. We allow the trials and tribulations of life, we allow the, the, the difficulties, the hurts, the, the, the pain and suffering that we've been through to shape and mold us more than we allow the truth of God's word to shape and mold us. And as a result, we store things up in the storeroom of our heart that should not be there. And we cling to these things, and they become a part of who we are. And the result is that from that overflow of the heart, we begin to put evil back out. Now, I I want us to understand today that there is none that are good on this earth. So when this scripture talks about good coming from a person who is good. Well, there's only one who is good. And Jesus said it wasn't even him. It was the Father in heaven. There there is something that has to change in our life, a transformation that has to take place within us in order for any good to come out of us. We are incapable on our own strength and in our own will and in our own power of ever producing anything that's good. 
Like we have these ideas and these moral constructs that we've created in our mind just based on the the world we live in that we think uh, for whatever reason we are taking the moral high ground. And maybe in some of those areas you might be right, but it is not because of anything you've done in your own strength. There's things to be said for your upbringing. There are things to be said for... uh, for how you were raised and the, the household rules that you had. There, there are things, but those, all those good moral things came from somewhere. They all came from somewhere. And it all can be traced back to the goodness of God and the truth of his word. We don't have the ability to produce good out of our heart. We need a heart transformation. And in some cases really an entire heart transplant. If, if you use this imagery with me, if you will, we need our heart to be removed and the heart of Christ to be put in its place. Or else we will never produce anything that is good. It, it, is, it is amazing to me how careless we, be, we get with these words that we speak. And how often we neglect to evaluate and take some inventory of what we keep in our storeroom. Because you see, the answer today to uh, be able to speak careful words and words that are meaningful and uplifting and truthful and and not full of gossip and cutting down and, and breaking people down. The key to that is having a transformed heart by Christ. We we should have a little bit more fear. In what we speak. The Bible says in uh, verses, uh, Matthew chapter 12, excuse me, verse 36 and 37, he's telling us that there is a day of judgment coming, and on that day we are going to give an account for every careless word that we speak. Every careless word that we speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. This, This is what I really want you to understand about what Jesus is saying here. The words themselves are not what condemns you or acquits you. The words just simply reveal the state of your spirit and your soul. If the tree's bad, the fruit's going to be bad. If the tree's good, the fruit's going to be good. It's not that because I said these phrases or I did these things or, or, or I, I, I gossiped or I didn't gossip, that, that part of it by itself is not what condemns you or acquits you when we stand before God and give account. It's that when he can look at our words and every word that we've spoken, he can do a diagnostic test on us and say, your heart does not look like the heart of Christ. Your heart is not in relationship with Christ. Your spirit has not been transformed by Christ. Therefore, away from me, for I never knew you. That's heavy. I, I don't, I do and I don't want us to have a little bit of fear and trepidation today. I do because it matters how we talk about people and how we treat people and how we talk about our family members and talk to our family members, all of that matters. But what matters more is to take the words that we speak and take time to examine them to evaluate what's going on inside of us. Because it is through that examination process that we can really begin to evaluate, are we really 
aligned and in relationship with Christ? Do we really have that in our life like we should? That you want to know what's going on with the tree, examine the fruit. If the tree is sick, the fruit will be nasty. And so today, I told you I was going to be short and sweet today. I, I want us to examine where we are at in our lives. I, we don't, I, I, you need to examine every word you speak and you need to be careful. But when, when you get the heart change, there's the, the byproduct of that, the result of that is that you will be able to speak good and not speak evil. Like if you, if you get your relationship with Christ right and you walk with him and you spend time in the word and know the truth and not just be a hearer but a doer of his word, you, you begin to see the results of that and the overflow of the heart being good things. But when we examine the fruit, we need to dive deeper than just guarding words here and there. We need to examine our hearts and do a diagnostic look at our tree and who we are on the inside at our core. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? I, I told you I'd be short and sweet today.